Welcome to the Popcorn Talk Network. For the online broadcast network that features movie discussion, news, and interviews, press one. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. In a world where action movies are constantly exploding at the box office, our heroes take on the monumental task of dissecting and analyzing all aspects of action movies to truly understand what it takes to make a great action film. Ben Bateman, Andrew Guy, in a Popcorn Talk Network exclusive, this is Action Movie Anatomy. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Welcome to Action Movie Anatomy on the Popcorn Talk Network, the online broadcast network dedicated to talking movies and all things movie-related. I'm your host, Hugh Hefner. Just kidding, it's a shiny suit. My name's Ben Bateman. I am joined today by lovely co-host, not in a shiny suit. He's dressed like a regular person. Like a normal person. Like You can look at me and talk to me at the same time. And you don't. It's like reflective. What's up, guys? I'm back. Andrew Guy, happy to be here. I love... Love, love this movie, and I almost love more that like you hadn't seen this movie. I'd never seen The Patriot, and we this watched is... it. I was very drunk when we watched yeah. it, <laughs> <laughs> and it just made it that much better. I'm just gonna be honest. I was drinking. Uh, I was drinking quite a bit. <laughs> uh, this was amazing. I really, really enjoyed this movie. I'm just putting my phone down here so we don't buzz. Uh, sure. And and this was one of the most entertaining first time experiences watching an action movie I've ever had. Like in the way that the Gladiator was the Oscar winning version of this type of movie. Right. This is the one that tried and failed on every level to win Oscars right, right. and it's just sweet. It's yeah. like so ridiculous and like so over the top but like super entertaining. Yeah, incredibly well acted, really well shot. Yeah. And the music is like uh-huh. exactly what you want, like uplifting and then sad and melancholy yeah. and yeah, me watching you watch this movie was also a phenomenal experience because yes. I knew it. I knew this movie. This movie is our genre. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, this is like one of the. This is like one of those movies where if you're like, "What's your show about?" I'm like, you know how it feels when you watch The Patriot, right? That's how our. That's what that's our show, show is. Yeah, hundred percent. This because this is like what it feels like to watch The Rock. It's like. The same kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not as good, but it's right. like, this totally the same kind of deal. So, uh, anyway, guys, this is Action Movie Anatomy. We talk about action movies on the show. We do movies that sort of basically adhere to four kind of rules, and the deal is, as well as being made after 1981, uh, the four rules are rule number one, that the hero always plays by their own rules. Rule number two, the hero and the villain are always the smartest people or things in the room. Rule number three, the movie is driven by a police, military, political, or mercenary figure. When we say political, it means they could either be the man or work for the man. So, like, if you're an MTA operator in the Patek and Pelham 123. You just gotta stop referencing the movie. <laughs> uh, and rule number four, the movie contains at least one explosion. So this one totally, I think, just executed on every oh, level, right? Nail on the head. It's perfect. Like, ben, Benjamin <clears throat> Martin is 100% his own rules. He's Absolutely. like, he's the man. He does what he wants. He fights with a freaking tomahawk. He's the ghost. Yes. Uh, rule number two, he and Jason Isaacs, really he and Tom Wilkinson are the smartest guys in the room right. at all times. They're like brilliant military commanders. Mm-hmm. Uh, rule number three, he is, well, obviously he's, pol- he's a, uh, military. Uh, yeah, he's military. And then rule number four, it's filled with explosions. Just tons of them. Of emotion and blood. And yes, <laughs> lots of emotional explosions in this movie. Like this movie has so many cheap pulls at heartstrings. Yeah, totally. That it, but it's executed perfectly. Yeah. So uh, there, we're going to show the trailer right now to this Sweet. movie. Um, aside from... Yeah, yeah, we'll watch the trailer and we'll get some other stuff. Okay, so <laughs> right, I'm into it. I'm into it. This is a great trailer. Yeah, it's very good. It's like super, super like '90s. Like he, yeah, yeah. he swore he'd put the past behind him. <laughs> a 
wanted to forget. <laughs> yeah, that's like, yeah. I have no desire to do so again. I have seven children. I do not wish to leave them fatherless. A family threatened by war. <laughs> we have to do something. I forbid you to go. My child, you're my child. A son ah. fighting for his beliefs. This is one of those movies where I almost like the trailer as much as I like the movie. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. You even I think in the trailer you even have the slow-mo of Heath Ledger flipping the knife. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. By the rules of war. Would like a lesson, sir? In the rules of war. So evil. Took a lesson, sir. So good. Oh, look at his face. Yeah, he's so evil. And it's because Gibson's so crazy when he says that it holds even more yeah, weight in real life. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. For my son here under my command. Like a lot of slow mo, a lot of unnecessary, Tons of, like slow mo throws and slow mo like yeah, gun catches and. Ooh, fireworks! Lovely. Yeah. How many were there? Maybe one. One man. Sounds more like a ghost than a man. Bring me this ghost. Ghost, bring him to me. <laughs> How many men does Cornwallis have under his command? Twelve thousand redcoats. I'm here to enlist every man willing. Who's with us? This is not the conduct of a gentleman. This is. I'll take that as a compliment. This is like a movie that I just. I wish that I had watched this as a kid. Oh, dude, I loved watching this movie as a kid. It was incredibly awesome. Because my level of commitment to this movie is already extremely high. And. Oh, dude, shut yeah. up. Listen to this. <laughs> I'm just joking. No, totally. You're dead on. <laughs> oh, he's crying. He's oh. revenge. Ledger is so handsome. Wow, this is a very, very good trailer. It's great. I want to go watch the movie. Again. I know! <laughs> That's how I feel. You just see the look on my face when I was watching this trailer and I was pulling it for media for right. the for the thing. I, I was just like, God, this is so sweet. This war ends today. Oh, love it. Really oh, good. My gosh. Really good it's trailer. One of the best trailers we've seen like oh, yeah. around the two thousands and pre- Well, because this era this era is so bad for trailers. Yeah. We've talked about it before. Yep. Like that's a really good one. That's yeah, like that's a, like one you'd see today. Yeah. So before we get into this, guys, uh, we we are here on the Popcorn Talk Network, and obviously we're incredibly grateful to be on this network because we love it, and they just let us do the show that we want to do. Yeah. And there's a bunch of other shows on this network you should check out if you like what we do. Uh, the sort of sister podcast to us is... Uh, Anatomy, Anatomy of a movie. movie. Sorry, blank for a second. Anatomy of a movie. They go live on Fridays and they do uh, like the current movies of the week, whatever's coming out. So check them out. They stream on Fridays. There's some other new shows as well. There's like video game movie Anatomy, which is pretty cool. Like uh, Disney movie news. There's Disney movie news. Bigger, if, yeah. if you like Marvel and DC, they have like DC movie news, Marvel movie news. So check those shows out. Popcorn Talk is full of awesome stuff. Um, if you want to follow us or the Action Movie Twitter, we now have one. It's at AMA Podcast, and we we respond and interact with everybody. It's a great place to sort of like 
share your recast or your opinions, the things we're talking about here. Yeah, we have like cool polls that we do during the week to like get you caught up and like thinking about the movie, things yeah, like that. For sure. Um and, and uh our personal Twitters, Andrew, if they want to follow you, where can they find you? You can find me at Andrew Guy on Twitter. And you guys can find me at Ben Bateman Media on Twitter and Instagram. Uh let's get into the next thing. This is a brand new thing we're adding to the show. This is really exciting. So when we were kids, we would go to the movie store, to the video store, the actual physical video store. Yeah. And there would be this thing where like VHS tapes, because this is in the days when we were watching movies like this, it was really just full of VHS tapes. Like DVDs were out. It was but, no, there were no there was like VHS tapes and laser discs. And there's a little section for DVDs because yeah. they were just starting to come out. But basically the whole entire movie store would be lined with these VHS tapes and they'd be full of uh, styrofoam. Yep. Because if it fell off, like they'd just easily put it back up. They didn't want the video to break. And then like a little like you know, several copies of the VHS maybe next to it. So Every one of these movies would have like a critical tagline. Yeah, you know, at it's the like, very top in, in quotes. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like a pulse pounding adrenaline thrill ride, yeah. or like a slam bang action thriller. And like as kids, we'd look and be like, "Oh, this is so exciting!" Yeah. And so Andrew and I were thinking, like, if what if we were to like come up with our own like our own tagline to put on the VHS box for a movie because uh-huh. this feels like that movie. And so we each kind of came up with one uh, that we thought was good. This will be the first time we try this. This is going to be called action movie tagline. So if you guys come up with one of your own and you think it's funny, <laughs> leave it in the comments or, or tweet at us uh you know be as creative as you want believe they let us do this (laughs) (laughs) what's your action movie tagline all right a heart-wrenching pulse-pounding revolutionary roller coaster from the director of godzilla william wallace is benjamin martin i thought you were saying the patriot (laughs) i thought you were saying william wallace is godzilla is godzilla (laughs) (laughs) i like it your use of the word revolutionary is extremely clever in this context. I like, I like, just thought of that word, and I was like, I need to put it in. I, and I like thought like thirty minutes of a word that went with it. It's what's missing from mine because, okay. like, re- like it's not a revolutionary movie at all because no. it's clearly just ripping off Braveheart. Yeah. Five years later, but the fact that it's about the Revolutionary War just makes it all the better. Yeah. It's like so clever. It's like it's a double entendre. It is. I don't it's, know what that means. It's pronounced pendulum. pendulum. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, all right, guys, uh, I went with. Gibson's rage is only equaled by Isaac's ruthless cunning in this emotional bloodbath. Action-packed. No, it's out of order, but... Uh, <laughs> in, this, in this emotional action-packed bloodbath is what That's I was good. going for. I like yeah. that. Uh, so, yeah, I think yours is better, but I they still enjoyed that. The, I just so, like doing it. It's very fun. Yeah. yeah. So if you guys like uh, action movie tagline, let us know. I think it's something we might add to I the show. I think Peter Travers would be proud of us. I hope so. We should tweet at him. We should. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's get into uh, thesis statements. So this is like the thing we do every week, guys. We sort of construct an idea about the movie. It should be, you know, pretty rooted in something, something like almost like hyperbole. It should be very definite. This is not something that's supposed to be. This is my favorite. This role or like such and such did a good job in this. It's like this is the first time this ever happened, or this is the greatest this, or right. this is the the lost this, and it should be like very definite. Uh, so we each have one. What is what is yours? Mine is that this is without a doubt. And especially because I had, you know, we went and did the research on this movie. This is Roland Emmerich's best movie, by far. It's not saying much. It's not saying much. And it, at first, I was like, really, his best movie, The Patriot? Mel Gibson was like, no, there's got to be something better. And I went through and I looked. There's nothing even close. Yeah, I mean, we'll, I guess the closest thing could maybe be Independence Day. And we'll get to that when we get to Emmerich, because we're going to do a little right. segment there. But I I, uh, I totally agree with you. Yeah. I think it's, it's very smart. And I think if you were to ask most people... Well, this is what happens. I think with most people, if you say you say the name Roland Emmerich, if it's a movie person, most people go, oh, yeah, he's a good director. Right. What that means is he's made a lot of movies that make a lot of money. Yes. So if you're a Hollywood person, you regard him as like a successful director. Mm-hmm. But this is a classic example of a guy where he's not actually a good director. 
No, he's really not, and I think he just knows how to. He's he knows how to eye candy things. Yeah, maybe he's a good director. I shouldn't say that because I'm not a director and I don't know that much right. about the guy. But I, I would say his, he doesn't make good movies. His movies aren't actually good. They're like right. entertaining at best. Though this movie is very entertaining, and I would definitely call this a good movie. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but in its own way. So uh, I would say, and this is this isn't sort of in reference to uh, to my to my tagline. Okay. This is the ultimate lost hero-villain pairing from an action movie. It's the most forgotten, greatest. It is the greatest forgotten hero-villain pair I've ever seen. Because Gibson is fan-fucking-tastic in this movie. Like, he's great. Yeah. He's ev- like, he's, he's very entertaining. It's prime Gibson, too. Oh, it is. I mean, he's got the same conviction that Wallace has. Like, yeah. He's so intense. Yeah, because he, he was going for an Oscar with this movie. He was trying yeah. to recreate it, so he was really invested. You know, it's not like... Like this, it's clearly Emmerich's best movie in the sense that he gets a lot of opportunities to pull at the heartstrings. There's good action. Right. He's a great lead character. It's shot incredibly well. Yeah. But then the beauty of it is that Isaacs, he's one of those villains that's he's so good, and he's so one sided too. It's like he's not. It's kind of like the. Uh, it's like it's exactly like the uh, in Shawshank Redemption, the warden. Right. He's like so evil. He's yeah. like one sidedly evil. There's nothing redeeming. There's only one scene in this entire movie where Isaacs even has a moment where you're supposed to understand. Right. Him. Like he's not just a killing robot. Yeah. Where Wilkinson says something about like where you come from and your family's money, right. and you're like. Okay, silver spoon, and he's got a chip on his shoulder. That's it. Otherwise, he's just a guy who kills people. He kills sons. Yeah, relentless. He'll kill children. He burns families in yeah. churches. Like this dude is evil. Yeah, he's evil. got flowing hair. He shaves so in the swamp. Flowing. Yeah, he's. Uh, anyway, so that's. I think this is just the ultimate forgotten hero villain pairing because I loved both. Yeah, and I, I have a feeling both of these guys are going to make my list. And this is the first time I saw this movie. That's yes. crazy. I know, I know. And they are both going to make the list because they're both so good and there's, the stakes are so high. Gibson's rage is only equaled by Isaac's ruthless cunning <laughs> in this emotional action-packed bloodbath. Yeah, we heard it the first time. I just was excited. <laughs> was thinking about it again. Um, so I almost feel like we should just like voice over them. And instead of saying them, right. we should voice over them. make voiceovers. With like a great soundtrack behind it. And oh, then we yeah. should cue it when we do this section oh, instead. That's beautiful. That's better. Yeah. Yeah. Don't let me forget let's that. Let's just pause the show and make a note real quick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, let's let's do fist pump moment. So yes. this is the thing. Uh, if you guys watch the show, you know exactly what this is. And you know I'm going to get really overexcited explaining it to you. So what this is is that moment where you are watching the movie and something happens. And you're kind of like look around and you're like... Yeah. This is so awesome. Is anybody else seeing this right now? I get to watch the rest of this movie? Yes! You might even like pause it and call your friend to be like, look, I'm watching The Patriot right now. That's, and ben, it's, that's Ben's phone voice, by the, the way. <laughs> okay, I'm watching a movie. <laughs> look, Andrew, I'm watching a movie and I need you to talk to me. Uh, I'm at work. I need to talk to you. This is important. It's happening a lot. Um, that's a real thing. <laughs> it's, a, it's a page from our life. So uh, we are going to share our fist pump moments. Yeah. And, and I'm going to let you go first because really? we have video pulled on oh, the long right. scene. Okay. Okay. That's, that's mine. And I, I hope we don't have the same scene. I, no, I have like, th- there's so there's many several, yeah. fist pump moments in this movie. Like the, the one from the trailer is like, I will kill you before the end of this war. Yeah. It's great. But I think for me, my fist pump moment has to be, it's got to be the beginning Tomahawk fight. Like yeah. as a kid watching that, yeah. it was so good and it was so intense. And like you see him, he's like, calm and collected and then he goes into battle mode and then like it snaps yeah like these people just killed my kid you know what, you know what? let's uh we actually have the tomahawk fight we can cue we'll it that? okay yeah, yeah. well because we're actually the two video clips that i pulled are our fist pump moments oh really so we'll just do an extended fist pump this this week sure because yeah. they're longer clips uh and we'll just play the tomahawk fight because it's really sweet so and my favorite line even relates to this but we're gonna get into that later okay but it's they don't show it in this section it's actually what happens right before this fight but like oh, it's blood yeah 
because they've like captured Ledger, and you're like, there's no way he's gonna because Gibson's already watched one of his sons get mowed yeah, down. No, there's no way you're taking another one. No, there's not even a chance. So Gibson's just like, I'm a better shot than all of you because I'm the smartest guy in the room. Yep. Even my children are better shots than all of you soldiers because Aim they're small, my children. Small. So I guess yeah. uh, when they were on set, the guy that was teaching Ledger and uh, Gibson to shoot uh, the muskets. He told them that he was like, "Aim small, miss small. If you aim for a man, you'll you can miss the man. But if you aim for a button, you'll hit and you'll miss the button, but you still hit the man." Ah. So that's why he's like, he liked that so much when he was getting taught. He's like, "Put that in the movie. Like, I'm gonna put that line in the movie." Did he? This is this is maybe my favorite moment when he jumps out from behind the tree for a second. <laughs> that's my favorite. It's so crazy, it's crazy Gibson. That nightmares are made of. This <laughs> ah! is like so amazing. That just saves him. Oh, and then like, oh. dude, when I was a kid, I went out and got like, because you know how they had they had like those cowboys and Indians and cops and robbers like yeah, toy sets, right? I went and got the Indian one because it had a tomahawk and a knife in it. Oh my god! And gosh. I would go around and just like terrorize I mean, your sisters. I didn't sisters? have any brothers or sisters. <laughs> my sisters are all much older, so I would just fight ghosts from my house, basically. Oh man, yeah, it's it's so good. He's so intense, and then. Do we see the... I hope so. If not, I'm definitely going to make the sound that he makes. Because <laughs> that, that was the end of my fist pump moment, was the sound. This movie is... The other thing about this movie is it's so grotesquely violent. It is. It's, it's like, really, really, really intense. Like, um... Like, like uh, when they cut to the camp and then like all the limbs are cut off and all that, and I was explaining to our producer Stephen, I was like, "We're doing the Patriot this week." He was like, "Oh wow!" I was like, "It's it's just hilariously awesome." And he was like, "It's really depressing." I was like, "No, no, no, it's just awesome." He's like, "They burn his family alive." I was like, <laughs> "I was like, like, no, 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 you're missing the point." <laughs> it's all it leads to an end. He's he skull. He like one shots the guy's skull with a tomahawk. That's the equivalent of a hostage headshot in the 1700s. Of course, yeah, <laughs> of course. Here we go. Yes. This is the part. He throws the tomahawk again, which I love. Guy's a coward. Not Benjamin Martin, though. And then he, and then oh, he goes and he to see it. butchers him. Yeah. And he hacks him into pieces. What's the sound that he makes? <laughs> 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 over and over like again. blood flying, hair flying. It's so, and it's so violent. So gnarly. Yeah. Okay, can we, I, I want to cue the other one, because the other one's my fist pump moment. And, like, my scene is, is, is more emotional. Um, yes. But I'll tell you, we, we don't even need to necessarily watch the whole scene. I'll, like I can cut it like a minute before the end. Oh of it. yeah, because it's all about the beginning. Yeah, because the ledger death's not even the thing that I like the most. No, it's sad. Yeah, it's sad. <laughs> all right, let's let's cue this up. So uh, I just have this thing about Jason Isaacs in this movie. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm convinced that he's the best part of the whole movie. Like I, I really am. Um, oh yeah. It's and it's just he's just the most entertaining. And what you see right here, so it's like the burning, and it's like Ledger's lost his family. He's so angry. He's like, I'm going to take it out. And right here, Isaac's hair is down. He's in the swamp. He's like, I'm going to be shaving. (laughs) I will will be Uh, clean cut on the battlefield. I'm going to be clean cut on the battlefield and ready to take on anybody. (laughs) He's got a little mirror. Like, it's so good. So good. The beauty is that, like, in his most cunning and ruthless scene, his hair is down. Oh, yeah. And he's clean shaven. Call to arms! What do they say? Arms. To arms! To arms! That guy, like, looked like he was waiting to deliver his line for so long. Uh Yeah. It's like, this is it. This is my moment. Tavington. That's right. Use your arm. Yeah. Slow-mo. Slow-mo run. So much slow-mo. I mean, this is like a damn John Woo movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what's better slow-mo? Like, the, it's like, I can't decide what I like more. Do I like Tavington slow-mo? Or do I like the, uh, the Nick Cage getting out of the car with the doves and like the slow-mo like jacket and right, face-off? Right. I'm not sure which one's better. I love that the, the, the best people in the movie are the lead characters, Gibson and uh, yeah. Tavington. They never miss. Yeah, of course not. No. They're total badasses. 
Yeah, so you only get sl- one shot. That's my fa- that's the moment right there. Which one? When he, he takes the, the gun out? out? He oh. takes the gun out and he flips it over in slow-mo? Right, right. Yeah. That's the moment right there. <laughs> and he's like, okay, we're, we're going to see right here. Here it is. There it is. Oh, yes! I'm going to you with this. Yeah, I'm not even going to shoot it. All right, that's uh, enough. Yeah, you can cut, cut it. Cut it. Cut Drop it. the mic. So that's my fist pump moment, 100%. So yeah. I, my other one is when Mel Gibson just completely murders the horse that he's riding on with the right. American flag. Uh-huh. That part's gnarly. Yeah. The horse's neck breaks and all that. This movie's so sweet. Oh, God, I love it. All um, right. All right. Enough, enough of us getting excited. So uh, let's let's continue going. One last reminder. We're on iTunes as well, guys. We do the YouTube show. And uh, and you guys have been extremely kind to us on YouTube. We're, we're getting like 11,000 views a day right now on the show. I don't know why you guys like us that much, but I love that you do. Well, it's crazy to me. Like, with the newer episodes, like, we... We get comments, we interact with you guys, but then the old ones, we seem to have this new audience that's finding them, because a lot of the original yeah. episodes are are soaring right now, and it's, it's really a lot of fun to interact with people who are just finding them now, so so check out some of those. Some favorites, Predator, it's a lot of fun. It's one of my favorites. Yeah, Looper is one of my favorites. The Mission Impossible episode. 3 episode was a lot yes, of fun. that was good. We're going to do a clip show at some point, actually, where we pull some of the best moments from those shows, but... Uh, We've got exciting things coming on the horizon with our show. Let's just put it that way. We're just, we're, we're very committed to action <laughs> movies. Uh, but, let's get into it. Uh, find us on iTunes, review us, rate us. Uh, we do this show out of the kindness of our hearts. It helps to keep the lights on if you guys rate and review, and we can't do the show in the dark. So please let us know what you think. Let's get into Star Breakdowns. Let's do it. Let's talk about Mel Gibson. This is like this is like pre-Gibson Exile. Yes. This is like, so he, in 04, he hits the, uh, that's when all the anti-Semitism, getting drunk, like sugar tits with the cop, that whole Dude, thing. He he lost it. Totally lost it. Yeah. Uh, this is even worse than the Cruise Exile. This is like. Oh, this is, yeah, because this was, this was like racist and hateful and. Yeah. And he was just stupid. Ignorant. Cruise, it's like there's a perception that people have of it that it's longer than it was. It's it's a bad thing. Like, it was five or six years, but right. he still made movies in there. Gibson yeah. literally was in We Were Soldiers in 02, and then he was in Singing Detective in 03, and then he doesn't make another movie until... He has a small part in Paparazzi in 04, but really, right. he's not in another movie till Edge of Darkness in 2010. Well, yeah, and you say, Seven he, years. you go, he, he had a small part in Paparazzi. You're talking Mel Gibson? Yeah. A-list, biggest of the biggest. I think he was like man. a producer on the movie, so right. he did like a small part. I mean, he was directing in there, but like his exile as an actor was extreme. And he hasn't really returned because... It's hard to watch the dude and, and want to enjoy him. Now. Yeah, yeah. He was in Expendables 3, I think. He showed up. Which is so weird because you can watch his old things like this and yeah. like Braveheart before it happened. You're like, I still love it. But then it's like, oh, this movie's coming out. The Beaver or whatever. I'm like, eh. Yeah, it's weird. But, I mean, he, he could still return. He's a great actor. He is a great actor. Um, yeah. So, but prior to this movie, he was he was really on a hot streak. Like, he... So, Gibson's original movie, I want to say, is Gallipoli in 81. Gallipoli. Peter Weir's movie. Okay. And then he's got he's got that run with like we we covered it with Mad Max where he did the three Mad Max movies in the eighties the Lethal Weapon movies mm-hmm. he's in all those movies Payback Ransom he's in uh, like Executive conspiracy Decision theory. Conspiracy Theory yeah. he's in another Peter Weir movie I think The Mosquito Coast I don't um, know that one. But all that stuff in the 80s, like, he had a great run there for about 20 years. 20-year run. Yeah. Solid. And, and even, even... Braveheart, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> even into, like, What Women Want. That movie was very successful. Yeah. Like, that's 2003, I think, right? Uh, maybe... Two? No, it's the same year. It's, it's 2000. It's oh, same. is it 2000? Okay, yeah, so, so yeah. So that's, you know, it's about a 20-year run that he goes on where he's just the man. 100%. Yeah. yeah. He was, he at one point, he was people's sexiest man alive. People yeah. love him. Chicken, was, Chicken Run made a lot of money, I believe. Or did I read that he was the first people's sexiest man alive? I think I did. I think he was the very first, first one in 85. Yeah, I think I read that. Huh. Um, correct me if I'm wrong on that. That's a, definitely a stat. We should have a stat guy. Stat guy, can you pull the... Uh, what? <laughs> just kidding. People's uh, Magazine, <laughs> Sexiest Man Alive. Can we just get the full list of people's Sexiest Man Alive? David Beckham That's, just won. <laughs> That's enough, okay? We yes. shouldn't have, we shouldn't know that sort of thing. Um, <laughs> let's, get, let's talk about actually these movies. So Chicken Run came out the same year. Yep. I remember <clears> the trailer. 
I saw it in theaters. Even the chicken that he played had swagger. It, oh, God. So much swagger. Sexy chicken. No, it really was. It was. No, he was a badass. Yeah. He was like a badass chicken. Right. A revolutionary chicken, if you will. He... <laughs> Prior to that was Payback in 99, which is often confused with Ransom. Right. Um, the same movie. Yeah. They're not, but yeah. Just like, just your th- your 90s throwaway action movie. We mm-hmm. could easily do Payback on the show. Yeah, totally. Or Ransom. They're both total total movies that could be done here. Uh, and then Lethal Weapon 4 in 98, which is... My favorite of the Lethal it? Weapon series. But you like this movie more? Yes. And Braveheart? Those are the three for you? For, for Gibson? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah? I think so, yeah. Those are probably my three favorites. I mean, Braveheart's definitely my favorite, and then The Patriot. And then I'd have to f- maybe look into the rest of his movies. Yeah. But I do love Lethal Weapon 4, but it's because of Jet Li. Yeah. He's so awesome. Uh, yeah, it's pretty. It's like pretty interesting that this is like, I would almost make the argument, except that Signs exists, and that movie made a lot of money. Yeah, I, I do I do like Signs, but not in the same way as I like these movies. Yeah, well, I was going to say, I was going to make the argument that, like, this is the end of Gibson, because, mm-hmm. but Signs is a couple years later, and then 03 is when it all goes to hell. So, I, like, I almost think that you could say that this is the last great movie that he made. Right. Because, but then even calling this movie great is, like... And you have you would have to like really explain the context. It's true <laughs> to get anybody to understand what you're talking about. Um, but yes, definitely this is interesting to watch because it's mm-hmm. the end. I was sort of thinking about in recast, like the age he was when he played this movie. It's like he's old, but he's young. Yeah, he's old enough to have seven kids. Yeah. in the 1700s, but have just been a war hero like maybe a decade ago. He's like supposed to be forty. No, it's more forty four maybe. Yeah, I think he's in his 40s. Yeah? Yeah. He's I'd like say early 40s. He's like he's kind of like a 90s stud. We could probably do the math if we figured out the Revolutionary War and the time between what they were talking about earlier. I feel like they mentioned something, but I, I can't remember. Yeah. So, now, more interesting than that, though, is the fact that Heath Ledger, this is regarded as his breakthrough role. Yeah. Like, dramatically. Yeah, it was, it was the, it was the, I'm not just an attractive, like, hunky young teen throb that he was in, like, even though he was, like, edgy in 10 Things I Hate About You. Yeah. Uh. That was still like, okay, cool, you're a kid playing a kid in high school. Yeah. This was kind of that first time, like, he's very vulnerable, he's weak, he's got, his, his character has a range of emotions, you, you, he's endearing with his wife, yeah. he's, he's, he's just a good, he's good, he's yeah. very good. He is good. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, there were like a lot of young guys up for this role, it's a huge role. Yeah. It's a really big Jill deal. Jill and Hall and him were the ones that like duped it out for yeah. the longest time. Which is funny. Yeah. Um, but, uh. So prior to this, he really didn't have much. His his first credited role is an mm-hmm. Australian movie called Black Rock. That's right. 97. It's only a few years earlier. He had been in a bunch of Australian television, mm-hmm. soap operas, TV, like he was working overseas. And Two Hands is a movie from 1999 that has Rose Byrne in it. It's mm. another Australian film. Yeah. It's like a, some sort of like a gangster caper kind of a thing. Um, total indie. But that's the same year as Ten Things. Right. I mean, and then that's the next year is this movie. And Ten Things is kind of a classic of our generation. Like, yeah, a lot of people, people love age, that just movie. really love it. Um, but yeah, and then he did this, and then he went on to do A Knight's Tale, and then like Ned Kelly, The yeah. Hours, like he just, go, or The Order, and then he just goes on a run. He becomes who we know him as. Which is weird, right? Because it's sort of, it's one of those things where, I remember when Heath Ledger died, mm-hmm. and I remember getting the news, and you know, Joker hadn't come out yet, so he hadn't really been immortalized yet. Like right. he was, he was that guy, kind of like Gosling is now, or like someone like that, where you're like, he's he's basically like high B list, but so much potential. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was gonna say that because like the movies that come out after this, they're all good. Like Monsters Ball, he's weird and creepy in it, and he does a good job in everything. But still, when he was cast as the Joker. And I was one of them. I was not happy. Yeah. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? This kid's 28 years old. Because Brokeback was the, I mean, Brokeback was that movie that was like, 
not everyone saw it. It right. was it was an indie. It was Ang Lee. Mm-hmm. It was like you know kind of controversial subject matter course, at the time. Yeah. You know, like I think it's a great movie, but a lot and of he, people he's phenomenal. He's in amazing. It. Yes, yeah. A lot of people, a lot of people haven't seen it. Why I wish I, I knew how to quit you. I knew how to quit you. Then why don't you want you just leave me be? It's because of you, Jack. This is really uncomfortable for me. That was my. That was from Brokeback Mountain. That's just Ben. That was a treat for the audio listeners. I'll say that. I'm sure it was. That was a real treat. <laughs> the greatest impression of our generation. Um, uh, so, and then, yeah, Dark Knight, obviously. And the Dark Knight, but yeah, it's just like the time between him winning an Oscar for Brokeback Mountain. Mm-hmm. Um, he won the Oscar for Brokeback. No, no, he got nominated. Sorry. Yes, the time between his nomination for that and. The, and the Dark Knight coming out in 08 was only a couple years. Yeah. So, like, the you know, it's like people were behind the eight ball on this guy. And I think when Dark Knight came out and, you know, he was up for it and then he won post, uh, posthumously, mm-hmm. it was one of those moments where people were just like, man, we really, really, really missed out on a yeah. guy that might have been – he might have been the guy. He, he, he definitely could have been in the same way that we are going to miss out on Philip Seymour Hoffman for right. the rest of our – times like that these two people i love robin williams but he did so much like don't get me wrong i was devastated when robin williams died Devastate. i love him yeah gandolfini um, too yeah absolutely but these guys williams and gandolfini and i mean you can say the same thing for hoffman yeah but hoffman was still on the rise he wasn't slowing down at all yeah robin's had, well, i mean williams had kind of slowed down gandolfini yeah. kind of slowed down ledger's literally at the beginning yeah, he was the front end. He was 28, right? Yeah. Uh, Philip C's in the middle, and then that, that's why losing those two guys is so hard, because their potential for what they could have done over the next, like, 30 years. Yeah. Hoffman years. was getting into the next phase. would have been yeah. crazy. Um, but, yeah, Ledger, like, it's if you think about sort of the way that DiCaprio has been, I think, invariably the guy yeah. for us, like, our generation, I guess you could make some arguments, but really it's, like, he's the guy. Like, he's yeah. the handsome guy that started as a heartthrob, that swung around, that turned out to actually be talented, that made just great movie after great mm-hmm. movie after great movie. Total faith in his ability. Um, I think that Ledger could have been that guy. Definitely. He could have been the other one. I think after The Dark Knight, if anything that he would have been in would have been gold because everyone would have wanted to see him act. Yeah. It was, it's an ultimate tragedy. So, uh, we will miss you, Heath Ledger. Yeah, rest and in peace, brother. He is, this is, you know, he's so earnest and young in this film. Look he at is. him. Look it's at those blonde locks. locks. Those you lights the I second love time. those blonde locks. <laughs> Uh, all right, so let's talk about a little bit of production development. We will talk about first Robert Rodat. So there were 17 drafts of this film yeah. written. Um, and originally, they... Uh, <laughs> it's such a morbid movie. Like are, some are of, you going to... Okay, yeah, hold on. What are yeah. you going to say? <laughs> so originally, he's supposed to have uh, six children, and Ledger's wife, who is burned yes. alive, was supposed to be pregnant I know. when she's burned alive. But they were like, we just can't. So they gave they gave uh, they gave Mel Gibson a seventh child who gets killed. They needed one more kid in this movie. Yeah, um, like that scene is so dark. It's, it's gnarly. It's like almost out of place the rest of the movie because the rest of the movie so much of it is unintentionally funny. Mm-hmm. Even the, the guy that's a traitor is like, there's no honor in this. Yeah, you know, it's really really dark. Um, but anyway, so Robert Rodat, yeah, he he's a pretty pretty well known dude. Like, obviously, Saving Private Ryan is his biggest credit. That's the most famous one. Yeah, I mean, writing that, you're pretty much set forever. He wrote a film called Tall Tale. 
1995. That yeah. you haven't seen, but you convinced me you'd seen it because you know everything about Swayze. Yeah, because he's, he's like, Tall Tale. I was like, is that the film with uh, Swayze in it? He's like, yeah, does he play uh, Wild Picos Bill? He's like, it says Picos Bill here. I was like, I've never seen it. I just assumed that he's called Wild <laughs> Picos Bill. Uh, but uh, Fly Away Home, The Patriot, mm-hmm. and then he's still working. Like, he, he wrote he wrote the second Thor movie. Yeah. So he's he's definitely a guy and that's... He's, uh, he's working on Warcraft right now. Oh really? Just yeah, that's big. It's the, real big. The 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 adaptation. Yes, <laughs> I'm so like I have this weird like relationship with World of Warcraft because I used to play it so much yeah. and I like got paid to play at one point, but it also like ruined my life. Uh, so I want to watch the movie, but at the same time, I'm just like I just want nothing to do with it. You're gonna like just sit there in the like, theater. I'm gonna play the game again. Get like very <laughs> drunk and just sweat in the theater. Well, it's not based on World of Warcraft. It's just based on the original Warcraft games. So it, it, hopefully you won't get too terrible flashbacks. All right, that's okay, good. That's good. very good. That's uh, even better for the story because there's not really a story in World of War. Anyway, yeah. I'm not going to do this to myself on the air. Um, yeah, so that's that's the writer here. We have – the director is Roland Emmerich. And this is what we said earlier. We were sort of uh, – we were sort of talking about like just – he's regarded as this guy that matters. Yeah. But if you look at his actual filmography – it's kind of appalling. Like it's disgusting. <laughs> so, if anybody who wants to know, we did Independence Day on the show. Like, probably must have done it three or four months ago, and it was one of the few times that I've gone back to watch one of these movies that I really thought was a classic. Uh-huh. And oh, Independence Day! You had the same feeling. It was just not good. It was like really hard to watch. Like, just not a good movie. It's so crazy how someone being who they are in different eras yeah. is just appallingly unwatchable. And Will Smith being Will Smith as Will Smith. In yeah. the 90s, yeah. I cannot do it anymore. No. Even with Bad Boys. Nope. I do like Bad Boys, and yeah. it's a little more balanced because it's like more of a comedy And it's kind movie. of about that, yeah. This, in Independence, I mean, him in Independence Day was literally unwatchable. Yeah, I agree. It was it was really hard to watch. So And, and we get, we've got flack trying to explain that to people before. Of course. Um, but if you go and you watch the episode, I think we try to, we, we break that down pretty clearly. But I was going to say. And the other thing is when you go and you tell people to watch that movie. Yeah. It's, it's about the same reaction. Like, actually sit down and legitimately watch it as a movie. Not turn it on in the background during the weekend of July 4th. Like, sit down for two and a half hours and watch the movie. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Emmerich, for those that don't know, he's a German filmmaker. He's a screenwriter, producer. He does a lot of his own stuff. Um, his movies have made more than $3 billion worldwide. There you go. Like, that's the that's the real claim to fame, is the fact that he's just made a ton of money over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, are we watching some... Yeah, yeah, here we go. Welcome to Earth. Ugh, it's the worst. Oh, no. Welcome to Earth. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's really bad. It's There's really a lot of bad. really bad stuff in that movie. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, Emmerich, he's, he's like very well known for his disaster movies and blowing shit up. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what he, he does. He has a really, like I said earlier on, he has a, he, he has appealing eye candy. Like when the trailer for The Day After Tomorrow came out, I was like, oh my God. Yeah. That, I don't even care if that movie sucks. It looks sweet. 2012 as well. I did care that it sucked. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's whatever. But so, <clears throat> I, okay, if you were to top five it, if you were in a top five, like Emmerich? Yeah. If I had to pick five movies of his that I would watch? Cause I got his movies written down here. I think I can pretty much rank them. Oh god, it's the worst though. Okay, wait, I can do this. Um, the Patriot, number that's, one. I agree, hands down. That would be my one. Independence Day next. Uh, that's it's embarrassing, but I agree. <clears throat> I, I do you have? If you have the same number three as me, I'll be impressed. Universal, yeah, Universal yes! Soldier. Yes, that's a testament to how bad his that's movies are. Really, because it's like there's like five other movies in there that could be. So then, for me, after Universal Soldier, I got to go. Uh, Day after tomorrow, I go Stargate. Really? Yeah, I like Stargate. I don't remember Stargate at all, and I might get crucified by the audience for it. It's, like, not great, but I mean... <laughs> right. Neither is the day after tomorrow. Yeah. I and then, for fifth, I just had to put White House down, because I haven't seen it. 
and I've, and I've seen 10,000 BC and 2012 and Day After Tomorrow. Day After Tomorrow. I like, skipped all those. I went Godzilla. And Godzilla. Yeah, I was yeah, just yeah. Broderick. I went Godzilla as my five. Oh, That's, man. Yeah. What a great filmography. What a fantastic filmography. <laughs> uh, yeah. I didn't see 10,000 BC. Um, I did. I, I don't. Didn't, yeah, I didn't see White House Down. My only remembrance... Like other than, like, because I don't really remember that movie at all. But yeah. When it came out, I was working at Blockbuster Video, and like when movies come out that are supposed to be big, they get a lot of copies. Of course, they get like two walls full of copies. Yeah. And you go out, and, and what happens after a month? Because they have a contract with the company, so they yeah. have to go and like kill all the yep. discs. Um, first of all, that wall was always full. Yeah. Never got rented. <laughs> Secondly, I did BC? not. Yeah. Yeah. I did not take my free copy home. <laughs> it's just like, nope. I, I took, took home Deep Blue Sea and Blue Crush. Ooh. But I did not take home 10,000 BC. Those are real good ones. I yeah. was thinking like, um, like <laughs> one day if we have like sort of like a man cave that we do like other like movie content, uh-huh. like one entire wall would just be like copies of 10,000 BC. <laughs> it's just like a wall of 10,000. Like, why is that there? Why not? <laughs> why not, man? It's cheaper than wallpaper. Um, all right. So the, the, it is. the producers on this movie, it's with Emmerich's movies. It's like kind of a, a team. Um, you have kind of two halves of it. So you have, uh, Dean Devlin and Roland Emmerich. They, they have pretty much yes, produced. Hold on. I'm just, this is what I'm talking about. Our audience is like, what we just talked about, like, really? What? They're that bad? Yeah. It's like, I had no idea those were all his movies. <laughs> yeah. They're all his movies. They're all I'm his so movies. sorry. Yeah. The, the, but the Patriot's so sweet. So good. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Just, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm sorry. No, it's pro- it's not a problem. It's not a problem. It's like an incredible moment. Like, uh, so, so yeah, there's kind of two halves of this. Like most of these movies, I say it every time, there's like a solid 12 producers credited on every movie. Yep. Like, anything that has this big of a budget, it's because you end up with some executive producers. You have regional producers. You have everywhere you're shooting. Like, there's different people who are in charge of different things. But there's always kind of a core group of like three to five on most of these mm-hmm. who are kind of the people behind it. And you can usually track it if you look at like usually what will happen is you'll look at their, film, their filmographies and they'll be like three, four, five movies in a row <laughs> they kind of all did together. Right. So it's kind of like a team. Um, yeah, I mean, that's what, I mean, I, I didn't really know that before, but that's kind of what happens in Hollywood is there's tons of these produce, production teams that yeah. stick together through series and franchises. And- exactly. So Dean Devlin and Roland Emmerich, that's like, th- this is like sort of their major, it's just in the middle of it. I- I'm fairly certain they did like four or five movies together. I think they even have a company together. Um, I can't remember the name of it, like UTE maybe or something yeah, like that. Sounds right. Uh, but uh, the <clears> other, <throat> and then the other half of it is you have Gary Levinson and Mark Gordon. So they're like the other major producers. They have worked on Day After Tomorrow and 2012, Grey's Anatomy for uh, for uh, what is it, Mark Gordon I think, and then Saving Private Ryan. They both worked on right. That's the big one. So you again, you could see like Robert Rodat wrote Saving Private Ryan, worked on this movie with them. Right. You know, everybody's connected. Yeah, cool. I mean, yeah, production it makes sense. I mean, the movie, uh, that'll be perfect. We'll go right into our next topic, which is, you know, critical and box office. Yep. The money that they put up for this movie was $110 million in 2000. And that's got to just be those massive battle scenes, those epics. Huge. Like at the end, they, yeah. they reshoot them and stuff. I, I heard that um, <clears throat> filming that final battle scene, uh, yeah. it was in the South, and it was like 110 degree weather, and they were dressed in these full, yeah. you know, full military gear, and the extras were just dying. Like, they were losing morale, and they were like unhappy and complaining. So Dean Devlin, while he's on set, he goes up to Gibson, he's like, hey man, um, is there any way that you can give your speech from Braveheart to boost the morale <laughs> of these people? And he still had it memorized five years later. He gets it, he gets on a horse, and he does it. He does it for all the extras. Just, just for him. And I, I was shocked because I was like, that, I had that moment of like, really, dude? Like, if I would, like, yeah. I thought Gibson would be like, really, dude? Yeah. You want me to, like, go and give a speech to the extras from a movie I did five years ago? 
but he was totally on board and it worked. Everyone was amped. Well, I'll bet you. I'm I'm just guessing this. Uh, this is something I should have written down. But is Gibson a producer on this movie? I don't think so. Really? Yeah, I don't think so. I would be very surprised. I'm gonna look that up. Really yeah, you quickly. look that up. I'll talk about the money. So this movie was uh, it was uh, Sony and Columbia collaboration. Um, the budget was 110 million dollars. It came out in June of 2000, June 28th. So it was it was a summer blockbuster. Summer blockbuster. That's exactly time, what they yeah. were trying to do with the movie. Um, it didn't do well, unfortunately. Like it did break even domestically, it made 113 million dollars domestically, but it only made 101 million dollars worldwide, and that is surprising to me for the reason of. Mel Gibson being who he was, a superstar, like, that's what we found with these worldwide numbers, is that superstars are superstars everywhere. And that's why these people watch these movies. Everyone right. else is like, Mel Gibson's new movie? I'm watching it. Totally. You know? Um, but maybe, I mean, I don't know, maybe people just don't care about the Revolutionary War in other parts of the world. Well, this is what I would say. So first of all, he wasn't a producer. So that's really cool that he did that. Because if you're thinking he's a guy that's behind it, like he's got some investment in the actual income right. of the film or anything like that, he really wants the... I'm sure he wanted the best movie he could get. Right. But when he's just talent as opposed to production, um, that's surprising. That's the kind of thing where it's like really, man, like you really it's are a committed. It's a Tom Cruise thing to it's do. It's a Tom Cruise thing yeah. to do. Exactly. <laughs> Had to mention him somehow. You want me to give my speech to these people right now? I'll do it. <laughs> I will do it. Look, I'll do, I'll do whatever it takes to make this the best film. I can make it. Um, so uh, anyway, that's what he, what's the way Tom Cruise would say it. Right. But uh, so 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 you were talking about yeah, worldwide so, yeah. and the perception. So I remember when this movie came out, and you know, two thousand. I was twelve years old, and even at twelve, it's like the whole concept of like the audience is smarter than the studios. Like mm-hmm. I saw the trailer, and I was like, hmm, this just feels kind of like they're trying to do Braveheart again, right? And like. Eh. For me, it was like, oh my god, they're doing Braveheart again. <laughs> I just was like, you know, I didn't grow up as a big Braveheart guy. Right. Like, I liked it. You know, I like it way more now, but it wasn't a movie that resonated. My older brother didn't make me watch it. Like, I okay. loved Gladiator, but like, yeah. Braveheart wasn't important to me as a kid. So when I saw the trailer for this, I was like, well, they did it once, and I don't really need to see this. And I just didn't. And I think the perception of the movie from a lot of people was just sort of like, it looks like they're trying to ram Braveheart 2 down my throat. Right. I don't really want to see this. So I'm not going to. And then the, the reviews were kind of mediocre. Um, there yeah. is an interesting story about the reviews, though. Yes, this was very this was very interesting, and it, and I wonder how much this happens now still. Yeah. So there was a highly positive review by a critic named David Manning from a a small press called the Ridgefield Press in Connecticut. And basically, during the investigation of his review, this Newsweek reporter, John Horn, discovered that uh, the newspaper had never actually heard of this guy. So what happened was. This guy worked for the studio, wrote a positive review. It wasn't a real review. Right. And it got exposed by essentially a reporter being like, the, the studio is just writing a fake review. Like, they're, one of their employees is essentially... That reporter is changing the world. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, this is crazy. On August 3rd, 2005, Sony made an out-of-court settlement and agreed to refund $5 each to dissatisfied customers who saw this and four other films in American theaters as a result of Manning's reviews. Right. How crazy is that? That's crazy. And it's... it $5 for a movie ticket is also crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it... I, I don't know. It's it, you wonder if if it's impossible to do now because it's so easy to track anything on the internet. Like yeah. in two thousand, it was a lot harder. It's right, been fifteen years. Like you can type in my name, you can figure out like where I grew up. Basically, you know what I yeah. mean. Like so, doing something like this would be like his name doesn't have any. There's no credentials on him being in the press. Like yeah. would it work? But I bet back then it happened a lot, and before then, I'm sure it happened even more. Yeah, totally. I, it's like I just was thinking about the way this movie was perceived. You know, once a movie. Okay, great example. Mm-hmm. Exodus, Gods and Kings. Right. Right? Christian Bale, Joel Edgerton. Just a bunch of Ridley white people Scott, in Egypt. You know, huge epic. 
comp- like the definition of came and went. Yes. That movie is the definition of essentially like there's enough money and star power behind this that the studios are going to make this the theatrical release. It's going to go to theaters and people and they're going to hope that people pay to see it. Yeah, but nobody did. Nope, and no one cared. It was okay, but now it like nowadays like a movie like The Patriot like if they had put all this money behind it, it's totally possible that you could see this at like Redbox and you'd be like. Interesting. Was this a big deal or a small deal? Right. Because it's like, if it's not good, it's quite possible that it just doesn't ever get theatrical. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, this is obviously a, kind of a big deal when it came out because it's only five years after Braveheart. But right. the way that it was perceived and the money that it made and everything like that, it's not that surprising. I mean, The Perfect Storm opened at number one the same weekend. And it almost doubled its money. The Perfect Storm, guys. Right. Like, this is a war epic with Mel Gibson in the leading role five years after he won the Oscar it's for like Braveheart. Gibson and Clooney. Clooney Going and Wahlberg about a yeah. storm with, you know who else is in that film? I do. Go ahead. Diane Lane. God, I love Diane Ben's Lane. Love of Ben's life. I love her so much. Diane, if you're watching, <laughs> run. <laughs> Someday I'll meet you and I will smile at you and it'll make my life. Um, that was a creepy thing to say. Really uh, weird, man. It's <laughs> really weird. It's getting weird over here, dude. Do you want me to do the, do you want me to do the broke back voice again? Please God, don't. <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so critically, that's what we're talking about. You, you, this movie was not received well. I mean, it's got a 7.1 on IMDb now. Right. So I, that's pretty irrelevant because I bet when this movie came out, it was probably a lot lower. You you watch it 10 year, or 15 years later, and it, yeah. it's there's an endearing quality about it. But this is our movie in a nutshell because on Rotten Tomatoes, this is what always happens with yep. our favorites. Yep. Okay, the audience score or the uh, the top critics uh-huh. – I'm sorry, all critics gave it 62%, which right. is – you know, 62 is not good. It's it's a D, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not appalling, but it's not good. Top critics gave it a 48%. That's appalling. <laughs> that's appalling. That means that's... top critics were like, this movie sucked. But the audience score? 81%! Yes! yes. <laughs> that's my fist pump moment right there. <laughs> it's so good. That speaks ex- This speaks volumes on, on our show and why this movie is our show. What's our? What, which is like the famous, like our favorite one, where it's like Man on Fire, where it was like 31% yeah, like critics? Audience, or the critic score was just brutal. And the audience was like over 80? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's so it's good. the same type of thing. Uh, and then Stephen Hunter from the Washington Post says, uh, there's no majesty, no tragedy, no feeling here. It's all FX and costume and casting directors. Yeah. This movie tugs at every heartstring there is. This movie is full of feelings. Papa, don't go! Yeah, you got two dead sons. You got the guy leaving his daughter. You got the racial battle between the two soldiers. Uh, oh, we two didn't even talk about him. No. Yeah. He's like, like, it's an honor to serve next to you. I'm serving this as a free man. Like, things like that. And then there's the guy who comes back. His wife and son are dead. So right. he kills himself. Uh-huh. Like, this movie is really sad. Who was the country star that I said, the, the guy that, the, that you said the, the racial battle between him and the other guy? Oh, Blake Shelton. I was like, I was like, he's talking to Blake Shelton there. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, anyway, yeah, it's, this movie's sweet. Like, it's totally fucking sweet. Yeah. I, I know we keep saying that, but I just, I, I'm blown away by if how much If you guys I, don't want to watch this movie by the end of this episode, <laughs> I'm blown away because I want to watch this movie again. I watched it twice in the last week. Um, yeah, the, the positive review we had from Roger Ebert was, I enjoyed the strength and conviction of Gibson's performance, the sweep of the battle scenes, and the absurdity of the British caricatures. Dead on. Dead on. We haven't even talked about Wilkinson. Yeah. Wilkinson's, you dream, General. Yeah. Wilkinson is fantastic. Yeah. He's fantastic. Like, Wilkinson's one of the best actors of our time. Damn him. Yeah. Damn that man. Oh, God. It's so good. <laughs> love him. He's so good. Uh, I love Tom Wilkinson. I love his role in, in Batman Begins. He's he's just great. And I need to see Michael Clayton. Yeah. That's his, that's his best role. Yeah. And actually, in the bedroom, he's amazing, too. He's um, good in the bedroom. The the film in the bedroom? You're weirding everyone out today, man. Tom Wilkins is going to the bedroom. So, yeah, it had some... It, it's like... It's like another one of these things where it's like, if you if somebody's to be like, 
The Patriot got three Oscar nominations. I was like, what, for like sound editing costumes and cinematography or something like that? Yep. Yeah, dead on. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're 100% right. Visual effects or yeah. like uh, makeup or something like that. You know, like you spend enough money on a movie and you'll get some Oscar nominations. Absolutely. Uh, dude, we're, we're, wow, we powered through that. Okay, so what, we're at favorite line now? Yeah, there's some very good ones. Oh, there's so many good ones. Yeah, excellent ones. You go with your first one. I'm sure we could each do a couple. Well, okay. So you, you referenced that already before this war's over, I'm going to kill you. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's my favorite line. I really like that line. It's a good line. Um, there's a few. Okay, I, so I... That's almost more of a fist pump moment yeah, than it totally. is a line. Yeah, I think my two um, would be... I'll go first and you give me one just in case I don't step on one of yours. Okay. I would say that, like... I really, really enjoyed just before the tomahawk battle when he's with his sons and he's exp- he's saying to them he's like they're just so young and right. he's giving them these rifles and he's like and he's like I want you to start with the officers and work your way down he's like aim small miss small yeah you know and and he's like when your brother fires I want you to reload your brother's rifle and you know and they're like so scared he's like, Do you understand? He's like yes father yes father oh it's so good yeah, like it's really good oh it got me on a lot of levels like just the heartstrings and like he's I have a weakness for father son moments you know that right so that one totally got me yeah um, that's good I also like when Gibson's like ah <laughs> <laughs> what's yours uh I think it's like I think my two might be and they, they come in order is when he goes kill me before the war is over will you yeah it appears you are not the better man. And then he swings around, stabs him in the stomach. He's like, my sons were better men. And then he shoves the bayonet through his throat. Uh, oh, my God. It's so good. And him dying. Yeah. Like, it's the same. I mean, it's like the same death that Commodus has in Gladiator. Yeah. Like, the, the knife to the throat. And like, yeah. And, uh, there's something that's so, like, intense about that moment. It's like such a brutal death. But it's, it, there's no one out there that isn't cheering at yeah. that moment when he dies. So I think, actually, that might just be my favorite right there. Um, okay, so then we are on to the other favorite line of mine, which is going to be, this was almost my fist pump moment, and this is like one of those silly things, but like it's another father-son thing. There's a lot of father-son stuff in this movie. I mean, it's like half the movie. Yes, yeah. Um, I like when they're sitting there just before when Ledger's like telling him that he's going to get married, and he says, Ledger says something about like, I don't, I don't know exactly what Ledger's line is, but Gibson looks at him and he's like, are you trying to tell me something? And he smiles, and then he's like, he's cutting this apple with his knife, mm-hmm. and he like starts smiling, laughing. He's like, "Want some apple?" Yeah. And it's like, it's just one of those like, it's such like a it's random endearing. line, yeah. but it's like an endearing, real moment. It's a, yeah, exactly. It's a very real moment. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I bet you do. Any else for you? Uh, nah, I'm gonna stick with that one. I like that one a lot. I like literally in the course of this moment, just updated my recast, and I'm so much happier. Oh, really? I got I got both, dude. I got my hero and my villain just in a split second. Well, I had two that I wasn't happy with, and I just replaced them both. I'm very happy with mine. Okay, very, very good. Very happy. Um, let's get into hero villain ranking. This is a good one. This is a very good huge, one. Huge, huge hero villain ranking. So we're going to start with your hero villain. Um, I believe I have them up here on the screen. Yeah, I got this. You know I'm blind, so i got to look at this piece oh, yeah, of paper. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, my gosh, man. I love I love Benjamin Martin. I've seen this movie more than almost every movie on this list, actually. Really? Yeah, I've seen this movie a lot. Benjamin uh, Martin. Benjamin Martin, I think, has to go for me. Oh, my God. Don't do it. Don't I'm put him there. It, dude. I'm doing it. I'm putting him at nine. Don't do it. Oh, my God. I can't do it. I'm putting him at six. Oh, you're putting him ahead of James Bond because he's, he's better than Jason Bourne? Yep. He's behind Ripley or you're moving Ripley? He's behind Ripley. I still think Ripley's more of a badass. So are you moving Ripley up? Uh, oh, I, I, I'm sorry. I'll put him at seven then. Okay. Hmm. How do you feel about that? It's a, that's intense. Dude, he's so awesome. He's really good. I have long feared that my sins would return me. 
and the consequence would be more than I could bear. <laughs> uh, Villain uh, Tavington. Oh my god, Tavington's He's, gonna be higher for me. It's it's one of those things. Like it's just like Philip C. in Mission Impossible Three. Yeah. You're so ruthless. You're so evil. So cunning. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna put him. I'm gonna put him at six as well. Or I guess he's actually six. And I'm gonna move Agent Smith nope. down. Nope. Sorry. I'm gonna go seven and move Hans Gruber down. I know it's gonna make you really sad. You're going to move Hans Gruber down. I give you the FBI. Gentlemen, you want a miracle? I give you the FBI. So I got number seven for both of them. Oh my gosh. It's very good. I can't believe it. This is high. I mean, you love this movie. I it's do high for love you. this movie. So let's take a look at mine here and see how we did. <clears throat> uh, all right. Benjamin Martin. How much do I like Benjamin Martin? Benjamin Martin. I'm in no mood for one of your lectures. He's like right there with. He's better now. He's not. He's still better. Yeah, I'm gonna. He's <clears throat> just. I'm gonna say that he's just behind Riggs. Just behind really. So you think that Benjamin Martin isn't as badass as Riggs? I mean, the first lethal weapon Riggs is like really good. He's like very. Uh, he's super memorable. Maybe you might be right, actually. But but for the sake of argument, because I feel, even though I loved it, I still feel that Tavington is the reason I like this movie right, so much. Right. I'm going to put him right behind Riggs. So I'm going to I'm going to put Benjamin Martin at number fourteen. I think that the two of them are perfect. Like you can't have one without the other. Yeah, totally. In this movie. Okay, so my Tavington though, uh-huh. this is because he's my favorite part of this whole movie. Right, right. Um, I'm going to put Tavington at six, ahead of the T1000, behind Owen Davian. Okay. Yeah, that's a good that's good. That's very good. Because I, like I don't that. think I don't think he's better than Davian. I just love Davian. I do love Davian. Um, but I like Tavington because he's actually like physically threatening too. Like this dude is a trained like commander. I, I revise that. I'm gonna I'm gonna actually what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna move Agent Smith and Davian up. Okay. They're both they're gonna become three and four. Uh, and I'm gonna put I'm gonna put him at five. Okay. So Tavington is going to be five for me. So I'm now I'm all I'm missing is a number two. I love it. I love it. You got your top five in. Almost, almost yeah. yeah wow. Hans Gruber, Agent Smith, Owen Davian, Tavington. This is so a that's good. a killer that's a good killer top five. Yeah, yeah. All right. So I already know where I'm going to put this movie. It was very easy for me to, to decide. This is like this is going to be an irrationally high ranking because you love this movie more than most. I really do. I'm going to put it. Uh, Oh my gosh! I, it's hard for me to put it in front of Air Force One because I love Air Force One so much. But they're so similar. In they're tone. so similar. I think I'm actually going to put it at number seven. Okay. And move Man on Fire and Live Die Repeat and Air Force One down. Okay. And put it right behind Looper. So we're putting <clears throat> we're putting this movie at number seven. I put you. everything at number seven today. Patriot goes number seven. Um, okay, I'm gonna go. Hmm, interesting. It's not as good as Gladiator, not as good as The Fugitive, not as good as Die Hard. Really quick, uh, someone just asked in live chat, is there any movie where the villain has ranked and the hero did not? Uh, definitely. I think, I think that's almost, happened a few times. Yeah, I think almost positively. Um, let's see. One one example is Ben doesn't have... Oh, no, you do have Max Roktansky on there. Uh, well, I don't, I, th- I think we have Ivan Koreshnov yeah, from Air Force say, One. Ivan Koreshnov and, and the president's not on there. So it's, it's definitely happened a few times. Um, and again, I've said this before, I think that... In these types of movies, in the movies that we do, having an incredibly strong villain is more important than having an incredibly strong hero. Cyrus the Virus, Ryder from Taking a Pill, one, two, three. Uh, there's <laughs> That's a, not there, on my list. There's a note here. Ben thinks Samuel Gerard from The Fugitive is totally fucking sweet. Because <laughs> uh, we couldn't decide if he's a hero or a villain, but we definitely didn't put... Uh, we, he's the only character that's even referenced. Yeah, yeah he's so, the only one that's mentioned. Yeah. But yeah, so it's happened a few times. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. Like, if a movie... If the villain ranks and the hero doesn't, 
the movie has to be super, super good because it's really hard to have one of these movies like rank for us without mm-hmm. a great hero. I mean, I think that when we do The Rock, I don't know if I'll put Nick Cage or Sean Connery on there. No, but he'll but definitely. I'll, oh, dude, yeah, he'll be, he'll be top five. Hummel. Oh, that's so crazy, dude. I'm just looking and I'm realizing that's he's my he's going to be my number two. Hummel. That's what's missing. I love it. I have. I'm. I'm. I'm just calling it right now. Can't wait to that episode. Yeah, we're gonna do an entire week for The Rock. By the way, what does that mean? <laughs> so we, we're gonna like this is like it's gonna be our 50th anniversary episode. I'm just calling it now. Right. So we're this is like 30 or like 31 after we right do now it for 50 years. And our 50th episode. I think this is episode <laughs> I, 30. Maybe. I think you're right. Yeah. Um, which is a bigger deal than we're even making I it know, out. To that's be. awesome. 30 we love episodes. you guys. We're so happy to keep. We have so much fun doing this show. Yeah. And preparing for the show and watching the movies that like. It's not work at all. No. It's just... I don't know if you can tell we're enjoying ourselves, but... <laughs> I'm sweating again, so I'm excited. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's going to probably be my two, but we're going to try to do a bunch of additional content. We're going to try to get all like as many of the actors from the movie in here as we're possible. We're just going to stand outside Ed Harris's house until yeah. he calls the cops on us exactly. or comes out. Exactly. All right, rank, uh, rank the movie, man. Where are you at? Oh, yeah. I have to finish deciding. Um, it goes behind, but ahead, but behind... It's right in this range. It's going to be... Oh, man, that is tough. Thir- 14, 15. It's not better than Predator. 16. 16? Yeah, it's better than Air Force One. It's better than Rogue Nation. Um, it's not as good as Predator. Okay. Um, another person just asked, uh, where would you rank Gibson's performance among his previous films? And I think that... Oh, in this movie? Uh, no, just where would we rank his performance among his previous films, like with this movie and his other movies, I believe is the question. Like, so, so like, where do we rank? Like, if you're going to rank Gibson's heroes characters, all essentially, time? yeah. I mean, I think it's it's one of those things where, like, as we do this show, it depends because mm-hmm. obviously he's in four Lethal Weapons right. and he's in three Mad Maxes. So you kind of, if you're going to consolidate character, then the character of Riggs, the character of Max, right? You know, you have William Wallace, you have Benjamin Martin. I think I'd probably have to go William Wallace. Then Riggs, then Martin. Yeah, I but since we've only done Lethal Weapon one, and I have such a love for Lethal Weapon four, yeah, uh, that's why I put him uh, ahead of Riggs number one. Yeah, maybe on Max. I mean, th- but that's probably that's probably kind of the. It's just so aged for me, but I, I understand what it what it. Yeah, done, you know, totally. Oh, uh, is it? Wait, wait, Maverick. That's that's him. That's a sweet movie. Oh yeah, that's true. I love Maverick. Yeah, Maverick's good. Yeah, uh, that's probably it. I mean, Martin's definitely he's he's top five though. Easy, easy. Yeah. Top five, top three. Oh, definitely something like that. Um, so yeah, I would put it. It's just right behind Predator. I just have a hard time. I'm looking at all these movies that I like so much, and I'm like, I just it's. I love Minority Report. I love Born. I love MI3. I love Men on Fire. I love Predator. Mm-hmm. The ones that are a little behind it, it's like this is a better movie than. Oh, God, speed. We need to redo these lists. No, see, that's what I was going to say. It was, it was, what happens is you watch the movie two days before doing the show, and you're just amped. Yeah. You're so, it's like, and it doesn't make any sense. Like, when we look at the lists, and I'm sitting here, and I'm trying to make mine, and I'm like, really? I have this movie in front of this? So, we will redo what these lists, like, on an off day. Right. Before we've watched the next week's movie, and before we've done the next week's show, so that we're like, we're like, it's even. Yeah. It's, no, it's like such a bias when totally. we do that. Um but let's recast this movie. Okay, yeah. So we just what we decided was that we were only going to do the three, the main three roles. Yeah. And so, so guys, for those of you who are watching for the first time, or maybe you are old pros, maybe you're Brian Hurst. I don't know. Um, we every week we do. We love you, Hurst. Every week we do we do a thing where we choose like several of the premiere roles in the movie, and depending on when it was made, if it's a new movie, we go old. Old movie, we go new. We just sort of recast it hypothetically, like if you were to remake this movie. And this is from 2000, so we were thinking if you were to make this movie again now, mm-hmm. who would play the main roles? We were going to go with like more than just three deep. The problem is it's like 
the you know Wilkinson's great, Chris Cooper's great, Richardson the chick, she's great. Uh, they're just very replaceable. Yeah, and Wilkinson and Cooper could play those roles now. Yeah, it's not so much like they're. It's just they're not as impactful as characters. So we decided Mel Gibson, Heath Ledger, and Jason Isaacs were the three mm-hmm. characters we were going to go with recast. So let's let's start with Jason Isaacs. You want to start with Isaacs? Oh, yeah, let's start with Ledger. Ledger? Terms of Ledger. Okay. Um, you go first. This oh, wait. Gonna... I'm sorry. Uh, get at us at our, at our Twitter, at AMA Podcast. We do this. We've done this three weeks in a row. Ben's won two. I've won one. Not happy about it. Uh, but, you know, after the show... Uh, Tweet at us, hashtag Master Recaster, and let us know who you think did a better job and post yours, because we love reading them, we love seeing them, and um, they're usually better than ours. Yes, well, <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> uh, but yes, I, I, for Ledger, this is going to piss people off because people seem to not like this guy. I know. But I went with the younger Hemsworth. Yeah. Went with Liam Hemsworth. Yeah. Um, and this this was my this was my uh, defense of this. So I think Liam Hemsworth is fine. I don't. I haven't seen him be amazing in anything yet. But, you know, he's young. He's, like, sort of... He's very young-looking. He's kind mm-hmm. of a heartthrob right now, just like Ledger was kind of becoming. Ledger's very good in this movie. Right. He he does a good job. He's not asked to do that much. Right. The character isn't incredibly deep. No. it's. I mean, he's great at it, but it's, like, his earnestness and his youth, it's it's all sort of just who Ledger was. Mm-hmm. And I think Liam could pull off that same thing. Um, I don't think that Liam could do some of the things Ledger did later. Right. I just haven't seen that from him yet. But what I've seen from him is that he would be able to pull this role off, I think, very well. Gotcha. I like that. It's not bad. I thought of him initially, but I ended up going with Nicholas Holt. Okay, yeah. And the reason that I did Nicholas Holt is because I think there's an innocence that he has that Hemsworth doesn't. Right. It's like it's something about him, like, I don't know if he's too handsome or too tall or whatever it may be. Uh, Ledger has that same quality. Like, yes, he's a heartthrob, but he's also, like, a very believable, like, sweet, like, innocent. Right. Just, like, trying. He just wants to make everyone proud and happy around yeah. him, you know? Uh, and watching Nicholas Holt in Mad Max Fury Road and that character, yeah, like that moment of when he got called mediocre by uh, yeah. Joe and he's just heartbroken, right? You know, uh, I think he'd be great at it. Nicholas Holt's fantastic. He's he's been uh, a character, a notable character in a lot of movies I've really liked. Yeah, um, he is Nicholas Cage's son in The Weatherman, which is one of my oh, favorite. Classic. Yeah, that's one of my favorite dark comedies ever made. Yeah, you love that. I love that movie that as movie, well. Yeah, it's heavily underrated, and mm-hmm. he's really good in it. Um, he's also the he's good as Beast. Yeah, he's and he's the kid in the Tom Ford movie. Is it a single man or is it a quiet oh, man? A single I know, man, yeah, I think I know it's what called. You're talking about. With yeah. Colin Firth uh-huh. from like 009 I can't or something. Remember. I think it's a quiet man. Is it single? I don't know. I think know. it's a single man. But okay. anyway, he he plays the student. It's he's a very good actor and I and I like him a lot. So um <clears throat> let's go with our uh Isaacs. Yeah. Oh, I love my Isaacs pick. And Guys, we both wanted to do Fastbender and Cumberbatch because it's just so easy. Yeah. And and, and they both would be – Fastbender would kill it. Yeah, he's like, – he, like, Fastbender just comes to mind, like, immediately for me. Right, We same. just use him so much. Yeah, so we tried to avoid him. Um, I went with Daniel Craig. What? Yes. Daniel Craig. Oh, it's so good. James Bond? Yes, exactly, because he's done. He's almost done being James Bond. So you remake the movie now, and he has this trait about him that Tavington has, and it's the same thing that Fastbender has. Is they have those dead eyes. Yeah. That those just like cold, ruthless, killing eyes, and you see it a lot in James Bond. He's got the accent. He's got the build. He's he is Tavington. I love that recast. Like, Interesting. I'm, I think it's perfect. I, I think it's a very creative recast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is my best move right here. So originally. I, I went with a bad choice, and I went Ewan McGregor, because there's something about Jason Isaacs in this movie. I'm, I'm not even kidding, guys. Watch The Patriot, and certain scenes, if he's talking, especially the one where he's talking to Wilkinson in The Office, close your eyes and listen to him, and just picture that it's Ewan McGregor talking, and you'll be blown away. You'll be like, oh my god, he sounds just like him. He really does. But 
I decided not to go with that because he's not. Mm-hmm. I'm with Robert England. Robert England, really? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I do. Yeah, he's very evil. Yeah, he's very he's crazy looking. For those of you that don't know, don't know in 28 weeks later, he's uh, he's like the dad at the beginning that's going crazy. Um, Is he Freddy? Wait, Freddy Krueger. Yeah, that's Freddy Krueger, man. Wait, who am I thinking of? That uh, not him. No, not Robert England. Damn it! What's the guy? Who, who's the guy I'm thinking of? Uh, 28 weeks later, the dun, 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 dun. oh, you, you, Brandon Gleason. No, 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 the, not the big guy. Uh, g- give me yours, and I'll pull up who I'm talking about. Okay. Uh, so my Gibson recast. Yeah. I, uh, I already did my uh, Isaac. So my Gibson recast. This is perfect. Again, it's Hugh Jackman, man. So good. It's God, Hugh God. Jackman. You do a heartbeat. Like, what? What is the thing? He goes, no, no. <laughs> like, Sorry, that's on. So that was audio. very loud. Um, he's the he's the perfect cast for it. He's got just enough crazy. He's got those crazy eyes, and and I could just see him. Robert Carlyle, not Robert. Oh, Angle. I know Robert Carlyle. Yeah, I yeah. love him. I'm a big fan of him. Yeah, Carlyle would be friggin' great. He'd be good. He'd be good. He's yeah. uh, he's a very good actor, very good character actor. Um, but yeah, man, Hugh Jackman to a T. Yeah, just just no questions. No, I love that guy so much, and that's so good. I. I ended up when I thought of uh, of Carlisle, it's because he's in the film Ravenous, mm-hmm. which is this weird movie from the '90s. You've seen Ravenous? I haven't. I've heard of it. I haven't seen it. It's super weird. It's a cannibalism movie. Yeah, uh, right. Uh, it's like it's this weird like horror period piece cannibalism thing where you eat people and you like gain their strength. Mm-hmm. Um, and Carlisle's in it, and so is Guy Pierce. And the soundtrack is done by one of the guys from Blur, and it's the creepiest soundtrack ever. Hmm. But it's great. Uh, anyway, I actually went with Guy Pierce. For the lead role in this. Interesting. Yeah, it came to mind for me because I've seen him like be action-y before. I've right. also seen him be a great actor before. Yeah, he's, he's no, very intense. Very good. He's very good. My thing with Guy Pearce, and I almost recast him as my hero in something very recently. Yeah. I don't remember what it was. He's got that face that you just kind of want to hit sometimes. Yeah. Like he's, like, he's known for being, like, a condescending, like, upper-class, like, He dick. almost could have been the bad guy. He could be Tav... I he almost think be he'd be a better Tavington. Isaacs, yeah. Yeah, but, um... He's good. I mean, I love Guy Pearce. I think he's a great actor. I just have this weird thing with him where I just don't think he can be a good guy. Because hmm. even in like Memento, he's like a good guy, but he's like not kind really of a, a good guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, all right, interesting. So let us know who you think won that one. Just for the record, it was Robert Carlyle, not Robert England, not Freddie. <laughs> That's not who I was trying to recast. What do you want to do? I was like, when you first said it, I was like, what? <laughs> um, and... Uh, Cage versus Cruz. I don't know if there's any need for that today. No, let's yeah. not do it. We've done a lot today. Before this war is over, <laughs> I like we, I'm going to kill you. I like how we acknowledge that we're not going to do it. We look at each other, and I see your eyes like glaze over. <laughs> the top, you heard the Top Gun two rumors this morning? Uh, no, what is it? What's Kilmer going on? apparently confirmed oh, the no, offer role, yeah. and then he redacted it. And oh, really? said that he had jumped the gun, jumped the Top Gun, but he was so excited about his conversation with his agent. So why? I love Kilmer. Oh, he's so good. He'll be in it. He'll yeah. be in it. It's that the premise is that apparently like drones are now operating the airplanes, but they need they need them to come back for one more mission. <laughs> he's going to be operating a drone, sitting behind a desk, looking fat. Yeah. <laughs> I think the headline I read was Val Kilmer confirms role in Top Gun. In other news, Eddie Lacey ate a sandwich or something like <laughs> yeah. that. It's just like just like fat Kilmer with like a long hair. <laughs> Love it. Just sweating. Um, all right. Well, let's talk about which uh, which of the three categories this movie fits into. So, guys, there's three action movie categories in our opinion. There there is totally legitimate, which is going to be that's like a a, a bloodbath of. No, sorry. <laughs> totally legitimate movies like The Fugitive or say like Terminator 2 where they're right. very believable in the acting, the pacing, everything about it is like, it's dead on. Nothing about it really makes you laugh. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of a great movie. 
um, classics, and then you have movies that are legitimately ridiculous, which is like the middle category. So it's kind of half legitimate, but just half absurd. It, it's, it makes you laugh unintentionally at times, but it has some very, very, very convincing roles. Usually at least one that could almost be like award worthy if it was in a different movie. Right. And then totally ridiculous are movies that's just like laughable. They're awesome. Commando, Con Air, yeah. Face Off. Like they're right. just absurd, but they're sweet. Yeah. Um, so which of the three movie, which of the three categories? You could make a strong argument, in my opinion, for any of them. Any of them. You could literally put it in any category, and if you made a good enough point, it, oh yeah, you're right, you're right. But for me, personally, I put it in that pinnacle, the perfect category. It is ridiculously legitimate, legitimately ridiculous. It is just believable enough. I mean, they, they even t- all the critics talk about, like, if you've read a history book or looked yeah. even closely at pictures of wars, yeah. this is not how it happens. Not at all. Uh, damn that man! Damn that man! <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I'm going to put it in the middle category. <laughs> I totally agree with you. Yeah. This movie is the, is like the poster boy for ridiculous legitimate. It is. I mean, this is like a new one we can use as, a, as our category, like describe it's it. It's so dead on just because it almost, it almost adds to it the fact that like they're burned alive in the church. It's like so, oh, of course, it's so intensely out of place. Everything is so heavy handed to like the, the, all the heartstrings moments. Papa we talked don't about. leave the machete yeah. battle. It's so cool, but it's, it's so, so laughable at times. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's definitely. I mean, there's, like, a montage of, like, these, the militia, like, surprising oh, the troops. Yeah. It's, like, yeah. behind a corner. Ooh, you know, <laughs> pop out of the field. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> it's so awesome. Um, so that is that. Um, now, before we sign off here, guys, we are going to be doing a movie next week that is so sweet. And this is The Pish. Wow. That was good. Did we didn't even plan that. No, we didn't. All right. I'm ready to do it. Guys, next week, what? What? What are we doing? Oh, are we not? What? I I thought we were going to fight each other. <laughs> I thought we were just going to fight each other on camera. That was the pitch? It's Rocky Four. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to win. He's an improviser, guys. <laughs> uh, Rocky Four next yes. week. That's oh the movie. Um, for those of you who are fans of sports or you listen to any kind of like Fox radio, Jason Smith, who is a, a Fox sports radio personality, is a friend of mine. He loves the Rocky franchise. Mm-hmm. He's going to be coming in here and doing that as a guest with us. Uh, Creed is coming out very soon. This is the film where Creed's dad dies. Yeah. It is so good. It's heartbreaking. You want to win the battle, <laughs> what? what did you say? <laughs> These cabbies been Ben just got struck by lightning. <laughs> um, ben is having a stroke. Um, so Rocky Four, it's it's it is arguably the best Rocky movie in everybody's opinion. It's the most entertaining Rocky movie. It's yeah. got freaking Drago. The soundtrack's incredible. You will lose, yeah. If he dies, he, he dies. dies. Yeah. Uh, this is like a pinnacle Rocky movie, mm-hmm. and we're also going to be doing a watch along. Yes. So, so guys, next Tuesday we're going to be doing a watch along at um, noon. Uh, no. no, we're going to be doing a watch along at three or two forty-five. Oh, 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 I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah. Follow okay. our Twitter at yes. Podcast to know. We'll tweet the obviously day of, but I'm fairly certain it's at two forty-five. Yes. Yeah, and uh, we're going to do a live watch along of Rocky Four. You can watch it with us. Here we have to say, and then the next day at twelve thirty, our normal time, we're going to be in here with Jason Smith to do Rocky Four. It is going to be the sweetest. I love that oh, movie, and I can't wait to talk to you guys episode. about it. I love it. Yeah, it's like it's like this is a movie where it doesn't exactly fit our rules, but the tone is so dead on. It is just a hundred percent our show. Yeah, absolutely. There's nothing about Rocky Four that like doesn't feel like our show. Like when we talk about it, like it doesn't fit any categories. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter at all. Not at all. It's like Tombstone. It's the same kind of deal. We're, Look, it's our show. We can do whatever we want. <laughs> uh, that's that. That's, that's the it. pitch. Love it. Love another, it. Another wonderful episode with you lovely people. Thank you so much for watching. Once again, you can find me at Ben Bateman Media on Twitter and Instagram. Guys, I love it. I love you guys. I love the show. I'm so excited for Rocky Four. You can find me at Andrew Guy on Twitter. 
Yeah, and hit up the podcast, the, uh, the uh, Twitter, the podcast Twitter at AMA Podcast. Let us know who won Mastery Caster and what you think about Rocky Four. Any other questions you have, we will be sure to respond to you as quick as we can. We'll see you guys next week. Boom. Producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network. We would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only, and not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners and principals. 